0: On this episode of Tell Me What You Know, we kick it off with a conversation on the great outdoor games. Once upon a time, ESPN showcased the finest outdoorsmen and women the world had to offer in a series of events like log rolling, tree topping, and sporting dog big air. Join us as we finally remember the short-lived outdoor Olympic Games.
1: And then, we're brightening your day with a story of a billionaire who gave it all away. Chuck Feeney made billions, selling duty-free alcohol, perfume, and handbags to tourists all over the world, and then turned around and gave it all away to good causes from Ireland to Vietnam. The best part is, he did it all anonymously and in secret. I hope this episode inspires you all to be more generous and for the right reasons. Go on, share this free podcast, and welcome to Tell Me What You Know.
0: Hello, everybody. Today's Wednesday, March 25th, this is episode 48 of Tell Me What You Know. If nothing else, uh, you're sitting at home, You probably the days are probably running together, we'll be able to tell you what day it is. You'll be able to kind of base your calendar off of our Friday episodes. Yeah. Although, well, depending on, on Friday, when you listen to it, this is going to be Wednesday, yeah, you're fucked. I mean, you have no idea. Yeah,
1: what yeah, is. we're not going to help you with the day of the week <laughs> it is, but it came out on a Friday. It
0: did. It's coming out on the 27th. Yeah. So if you're listening to this right now... On Friday, it's the twenty
1: seventh. I'm eating uh, delicious cookies my mom made. Yeah, made some for Michael number one. They're delicious. Thank you, mom.
0: She did. The cookies are great. It's not helping out with my. I don't know how you
1: got your hands on some brown sugar. You think that's a it's hot kinda, commodity in this? In this? It's pandemic? kind of you know. It's kind of fun to joke that it's sort of like war wartime ah, It's like right. hard to come up with yeah. yes stuff. Right. You scored the goods. You got the goods. You got the goods. Yeah, it's basically a drug deal. Yeah. What are you so, doing? How are you passing your time? I mean, what are we in?
0: We're in day. What? Like eight of course. Qu- I mean, not you count weekends, depending on when you,
1: depending on when people freaked out. They, I think they went into quarantine yeah. earlier. This could be week three for later. somebody. Yeah. week Two for
0: others. Week one for even. This is week others. two for me. Yeah. Week two, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm playing a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Passing the time that way. I've been doing laundry, uh, consistently not on like an as needed basis so it's not like i have nothing to wear tomorrow i better do some laundry it's like hey why don't you just do some laundry
1: oh so it's like smaller batches yeah more frequent exactly nice
0: just been good yeah i'm actually putting my clothes up as well oh it's not just sitting like on Very my bed cool. i know yeah you got a queen bed it's just you have the place where you sleep and you have the place where your clean clothes go
1: you can't really cuddle that that clothing though
0: yeah but it, you know it's, it's warm up to it every now and then uh, So that's been good. Uh, I've cleaned my apartment, like, every inch of it, basically. You can eat off the floors in there right now.
1: Have you counted uh all the, like, the floor tiles of it? I
0: was counting grains of rice the Have other you day.
1: given them names? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, my Peloton comes tomorrow.
0: Oh. Yeah, I sprung for the Peloton bike. Oh. So I'll be cycling. I'm going to come out of this thing super shredded. <laughs> Although, your, remember these cookies that your mother gave me is not helping with that. Cause yeah. Because they're really good. i
1: it's for comfort. That's right. It's not for shredding. Right. I went to a
0: uh, went to a Zoom birthday party on Monday night. My friend Katie turned 32, and we uh, had a little surprise Zoom meeting for her.
1: Did she blow out the candles? She did. did Somebody she held just,
0: up a candle. And then, she just
1: uh, blew into her mic? She blew into, her into her the camera?
0: camera, and then the person holding the camera goes, oh, you must try again. So, yeah, we're trying to keep our sanity about it. I yeah. watched about uh, three hours of news anchors uh, messing up on live TV. Mm-hmm. And was like crying, laughing in my bed. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, you need to talk to another human. <laughs> uh
1: huh. Because I've been watching uh, Tiger King. You oh, watched this on I haven't Netflix? Watched it yet. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Pretty, pretty good. But I thought that guy looked familiar. He, I remember the news story about him trying to kill an activist like three years ago or something that's like
1: that. That's what this is about. Okay. Uh, I haven't gotten that far, but I know that's where this is going. So I was like,
0: I've seen this like really yeah. weird looking tiger guy.
1: I've supported the activist woman. She's nuts too, as I'm finding out. Big cat rescue. Yeah, uh, people shouldn't have big exotic animals. No. It's a
0: horrible. Those cats don't want to be there. No,
1: and why are these people like breeding them? This needs to be regulated. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched that yet. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm talking about domesticated cats just running around, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> we keep coming back to cats, but you, it's in the it's in the zeitgeist. Your cat daddy. That's right.
0: Um, well, then, one thing we're starting was we have this—you have that list of 100 movies, a scratch-off thing. Yes, we're gonna try and watch one a week.
1: Yeah, so we'll finish
0: this by the time the quarantine's lifted. I right?
1: wonder if we should just up the frequency—two a week, maybe even three, <laughs> three a week. <laughs> I oh, mean, damn. why not?
0: So the first one we have to watch is Big Lebowski. I picked an easy one. I think yeah. we're gonna go around and everybody gets a pick.
1: Yeah, we're gonna go round robin style. We
0: could all pick one. How many are there? There's five of us. mm Hmm.
1: Five a week's kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. so we're each picking twenty. Yeah. So then we're gonna oh, have. Wait, a, no, we're each picking ten. There's fifty. Gonna, fifty. Or, yeah, fifty or hundred. Maybe it's hundred. I don't know. This Let's is look at the board. Stuff. What's your topic? Let's get into some topics. All right, we'll get into this.
0: Michael, tell me what you know about the Great Outdoor Games. Mm.
1: Do you remember these? Oh, I lo- I actually really like the Great Outdoor Thank Games. God. Okay. Um, I wish they are they not still around. They're not. Not on ESPN anymore. Okay.
0: I don't know if they, I'm sure they have like, I think Steel, you know, like the chainsaw company. Uh huh. I think they still have like, they, on their website, they have a page with their athletes. (laughs) Steel athletes. I think it's just a really cool. Let's explain uh, what you think it is to the people at home that don't know.
1: Yeah. So the great outdoor games are like competitive events of like lumberjack activities, Um, chopping down trees, making firewood, um, uh, for some reason there's like a log, um, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it's like a balance beam log log on water Mm -hmm. that you're like kind of doing like a fake treadmill style Mm -hmm. run on. And then I think there's there's like an obstacle course in it, I think, that you're competing against another person. But then in this... uh, balance beam log you you're you've got two people yeah. on it and you guys are like competing to spin it which way and you've got to stay on and stay balanced and knock the other person That's off. log rolling log rolling we'll get to that for sure um but i, I always i always found it it's it's very um therapeutic or like relaxing sometimes to watch them chop down the the tree yeah and do it like where you come at the angles yeah and you're like oh i see and they've they've drawn the lines on the the wood Mm -hmm. to make it so that they can see where they need to hit it and then the angles that they they come in and then it topples over it's just like a very nice uh i don't know it's like watching a screen saver or something you're just like oh yeah
0: yeah it's one of those things that just makes it like it's like i don't know they have those like uh one of those apps that just makes you like feel good, like relaxes you. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those things. Yeah. Somebody just chopping a log.
1: I also think there's some, um, and I've never been a lumberjack. No. But it does bring up like a a fantasy of an easier time, mm-hmm. like an simpler. easier, a simpler time. Yeah. You wake up, oh, I'm going to go chop down that tree today. That's going to be my activity.
0: Haul the lumber off to market.
1: Ha- and, exactly. We got to stay warm back here in the cabin. And yeah. the way I'm doing it is I got to go chop down this tree. There's just a very simple goal solution to the way of life
0: actually i saw a chart uh about uh professions and like risk exposure to coronavirus Uh and lumberjack (laughs) was like in the very bottom left near the axis where it was like low exposure low risk of getting it so be a a lumberjack yeah be a lumberjack yeah go live out in the cabin
1: yeah
0: uh so yeah i mean you hit on the what i think of when i think of the great outdoor games is all the woodworking or the, the lumberjack events um I feel like I was having like a Mandela effect experience when I was looking like researching this topic because there is just no information online. All of the like it's all archived sites from ESPN, mm-hmm. and when you click on them, the web page still loads like it's from 1998, where they have you know just ads all over the place, but the ads aren't loading in, and so it's just like uh-huh. a text-heavy page with like information on like what this year's events were going to be about. <laughs> There's like no records of like who won that kind of stuff, That's I mean, so it, odd. or it's super hard to get to if there is. Yeah, I mean we don't do super deep dives in our research here, but I couldn't find it in the first like hour I was looking.
1: So you couldn't like when you were just looking around, you couldn't find the results of the log rolling competition in in 2000. Huh? That's really
0: odd. It like kept, it can be like, yeah. So anyway, this uh, the great outdoor games. It was uh, a yearly event. It's kind of like a, an Olympics of sorts where they had different, uh, different events throughout the entire games. Right. And it was on ESPN outdoors, which is also no longer a thing. It ran from 2000 to 2006. Hmm. Uh, but the it was basically the toughest outdoor athletes in the world gathered for four days of intense competition in hopes of earning medals, fame, prizes, and glory of being a champion is how I saw it. Um, different, held in different places like Lake Placid, New York. I think Disney's Wild World Sports Complex held it one year as well. So the categories, there are several categories of these events. Fishing. Hmm. This is where like the Bassmaster Classic and stuff, I think. Was, was coming from as well uh-huh uh sporting dog remember the dog games
1: oh those were yes. the best oh and they would do the long jump yep. dog that was a part of that yeah oh yeah why uh, did they ever get rid of this
0: i don't know target events so archery rifle shotgun uh and this one men and women actually competed against each other hmm, good yeah then they had the timber events which we talked about earlier it was all the all the wood stuff they actually had uh motorsports so they had atv stuff like an atv cross uh like a four, they called it four wheel frenzy, which was twenty four ATV riders on these custom tracks, and it was basically just a race. They would do heats, and you would advance, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Be the fastest, and they had terracross, which was what I assume uh, it was more like. There's obstacles in the terrain, and they had to get over. That's that what
1: kind I of think stuff. I was remembering uh, when I was watch- When you just run, as, you know, it's like a fifty well, yards this is of ATVs for this one. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought I thought there was one where you run and you have an obstacle course, you're getting over, and then you're running across the log rolls. I think you're thinking of American uh-huh. Gladiators.
0: <laughs> um be so a good topic we'll jump into uh some of these events in more detail fishing they have fly fishing and freshwater doubles kind of self-explanatory there. yeah right? you a big fish catch a big fish catch or the catch biggest fish you can fish. yeah exactly yeah we'll talk about the sporting dog though so they have the agility yeah. courses uh-huh and the agility courses are obviously where they're trying to get through in the fastest time without the errors and all that kind of stuff yep uh disc drive at the disc dog so essentially it's you have a frisbee Mm-hmm. And you're throwing them to your dog, and you're supposed to complete these uh, complete passes with a Frisbee to your dog in certain areas on the field. And I think, I'm think i not sure if it's based on the quickest, like the, the fastest person to hit all the spots, or if it's you get points for different ones or what, but that was that one. I love that. Big air is one you're thinking of. So it's like dog yeah. jumping, right? Yeah. Where you, start, you sit your dog at the, the beginning of the dock, and you yeah. just go to the end, and you call its name, and you throw a little dummy off the end, and the yeah. dog jumps as far as it can into yeah. the water.
1: Some of them jumped really far yes so i got a couple records for you yeah uh
0: on the great outdoor games on july 6 2002 little morgan uh whose handler mike jackson they set the record and won gold medal for at at 26 feet six inches wow he's and little morgan's a multi-time gold gold medal winner at the great outdoor games however the the record that i saw in all competition not just great outdoor games was at doc doc dogs clark county fair august 4th 2012 the dog Kochiti uh, and the handler Diane Salts dog jumped thirty-one feet.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's—I mean—that's really far. Yeah, that's jumping a full ten yards. It's <laughs> so far. That's really far. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's nuts. What's the? I don't know. I wish I knew what kind of dogs these were, but they're typically they're like retrievers. I feel like
1: retrievers and labs. I yeah. think. What's it? What's the long jump competition for a human? Like the record? Yeah, I have no idea. Let's let's look that. Yeah, up. do it. Human long jump record: eight point nine five meters.
0: What is that in feet?
1: That's like um, that's like twenty seven feet. That's about as far as what the. It's a little bit farther than the Great Outdoor Games.
0: It is twenty nine point three six. Yeah, feet. Yeah,
1: but not as far as this other. Correct. So a dog.
0: The dog has four legs though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's also going after a a, a duck. Fair. Yeah. Fake duck. Maybe we throw some kind of thing for a human. Yeah. And this is where like the lack Come of further. information
0: kind of kind of screwed me here. Because then there's two other things for dogs called fly ball. I don't know what fly ball is. Wanna, I don't know what that you want to give a guess as to what it is? I have no idea what it
1: is. Uh you fly ball. You yeah. throw it as high as you as you can and then dog the, catches it? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah.
0: I like fly ball. And then retriever trials, which I assume is more like a hunting type thing.
1: Yeah, that's where they're like it's like duck duck yep. uh duck dog competitions yep. i think where they, they they call them and they got to direct them to where the the duck came I down that now and then they, gotta and they got to come back yeah and oh, the dog runs that. out
0: in the field turns around, and looks at them and the owner like kind yeah it of gives them directions way, yeah yeah
1: because i think you get they get disoriented out there but they're like just running in a line
0: like duck, you send them out and they listen to your voice and i think when they hear your voice they stop
1: yeah and then they look back at and you. you tell them to either keep going or exactly huh um Duck hunting dogs are like really expensive to to buy. If you buy them well like trained, I think they can be like five or six thousand dollars. Probably. Um, but
0: for that same price, you can cool. get a purebred purebred French Bulldog. Which one do you want? I would want the duck hunting dog. <laughs> of duck. course, yeah. obviously. For sure. All right, well, let's move into the target events then. Like I mentioned, men and women uh competed against each other in this one. There were not men's events and women's events, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Archery. Uh this was big for the archery association, the ATA I believe it's called. Uh it kind of shed a lot of light on the sport. And they said they got a lot of uh viewers among uh women and children actually were like their highest viewing uh demographic, which uh. I thought well, it was kind of weird,
1: but it is pretty cool. Yeah. Um
0: but that's just more like so it's archery target, obviously rifle target as well. Shotgun I assume would be like clays.
1: Uh-huh. Well, uh also in this Do you know, you know Gina Davis? The um the actress, she yeah. played Dottie in a League of Their yes. Own. Yeah. She, you know, went to the Olympics for archery. Oh really. And I think equally had, had you know, brought a lot of attention and huh. and visibility to, to female archery.
0: That. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into the fun stuff. Timber events. So the event I think you might be thinking of where it's like an obstacle course, it's called the Boom Run. But it's not so many obstacles, it's just these logs are placed end to end across a pool. That's something. And you have to run across and back and yeah. you're racing somebody else yeah
1: that's what i'm thinking
0: and i guess these logs can roll so you have to like have good balance and you have to just keep going straight like one foot over, over the other and right like, try to get to the end
1: right yeah
0: so uh that's that's the boom run then you got the log rolling don't you
1: think it'd be really fun to get out there and try to? yes try i want to like, do all these things yeah i want to hold an axe and chop uh, oh yeah have you ever axe thrown no but there's oh, a there's fun.
0: several places here i think you can do that
1: yeah now it's like a, a bar thing well not right back now. when no. bars were open that's right
0: what's a bar <sighs> uh log rolling that's where you're you're on a log with your opponent. You're facing each other basically, but on two separate ends and you gotta kinda kick the log or and sprint or go backwards, trying to get basically get them to fall off.
1: Do you remember if at the beginning of the log roll it's stopped and then they're just everybody's they're both on it and then somebody like takes their hands off of it and it goes? Like maybe it's in some contraption that keeps it like how do you get yeah, on? I would guess that's how it works. So that it's equal to begin. So that one person's not starting off like yeah. with the momentum. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe it's somebody's holding it or something. Maybe. Hmm yeah uh give you a name J.R. saltzman he's quoted somebody quoted as saying that uh he's among the preeminent outdoor athletes of the last decade he um at one point he was the owner of the most great outdoor games medals at 12 that was going into the last year i actually don't know if he's still the record holder uh or not but he also after this after like his great outdoor games he enlisted in the national guard Hmm. and was deployed to iraq and uh Had a, like, I think uh, an IED or something hit his unit, took his arm off. Wow. Uh, Yeah, like completely destroyed his shoulder, I think, as well. I'm probably getting this wrong. But yeah, he had a terrible uh, injury in Iraq. He's got a prosthetic now. Uh, Came back and won a log rolling championship in 2009. That's awesome. Yeah, so J.R. Saltzman. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool stuff.
1: Uh, Do you know any, are you going to mention any of the other guys? I just, my one question I have is, does this guy have, like, a day job, and then he does great outdoor games as, like, a side? Or or are you somebody who works in the logging industry, and then this is yeah. sort of, like, your, I don't know what you'd call it. Like, you kind I of made the Olympics. I would assume
0: early 2000s, you, this wasn't your job. You know, like, you had... Right. No, but I mean, but like... What you mean, like, a, was he, a like, a marketing person and then did this? Right, yeah.
1: right. It's just kind of like, because you just come into... A, a regular a these, desk job and be like, you look like you compete in the great outdoor games.
0: I mean, most of these people seem like they are from, you know, like, uh, the upper peninsula in Michigan or like mm-hmm. Montana, like they're outdoor people. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that if it's not their job, they're around it all the time anyway.
1: Like maybe they have a family cabin right. or they worked or with they their grew dad up. and yeah, they grew exactly. up doing that. Yeah. That makes sense. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so we got a couple others, team relay and endurance. I can't remember what those are, but speed climbing, Awesome. Oh, 65 foot pole straight up in the air. You got spikes on your feet. You got this rope. that's like whoop, oh, that goes yeah. around your waist. Oh, yeah. And uh, essentially you have to go up to the very top. You hit you hit the rope. There's like a little line at the top of the pole. Your rope has to touch it. And then you like free fall down this thing. You kind of catch every now and then with
1: your feet and just slow yourself down.
0: Yeah. These guys uh, go up this pole so fast. Say the height again. 65 feet. 65 feet. Yeah. Brian Bartow. He, uh, he has the, the Great Outdoor Games record, 12.6 seconds. Wow. That's to climb to the top and get back down. It's incredible. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, then tree topping, mm-hmm. which is essentially the same, but, but you're, sawing, you're sawing the top of the log off when you get up there.
1: Yeah. And then don't you have others <laughs> that you're sawing off too? It's, just, come it's down? just this. There's just oh, the it's top just the one. top. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you're climbing that 65-foot log. You have a saw that's basically tethered to your belt. A you, chainsaw. When, it's a, no, it's a handsaw. It's okay. like a, it's a manual analog <laughs> saw.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so you race to the top. This thing's like dangling below you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get up there, you have to like tie off and like people almost, they always slip when this is happening and that kind of thing. And uh, so you tie off and then you have to slice all the way through the whole, the full diameter of the top of the log. Basically. So it falls all the way down. Yeah. And you, then have you, to, you have to get the blade through basically. Got it, it. stays on there It stays on there, but it has to go all the way through. Uh, so I thought that was an awesome event. Yeah, why did they stop this? I don't Do you know. have any information about that? I guess it's when they canceled bar, or uh, ESPN Outdoors. Yeah, they stopped <laughs> doing it. I'm because sure, I'm sure these events still exist.
1: I mean, I think if you say great outdoor games to anybody, I don't know, 30 and over, they know exactly. They know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I
0: spent so many it's like when I was 13, just like sitting on my couch in the summer. These were always on.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Oh, and they were great. Yeah, so much fun.
0: Yeah, uh, you got the hot saw. You remember the hot saw. What's that, okay, so this is how it's described uh, extremely loud and lasting no more than ten seconds. The hot saw competition features ten competitors using modified engines on their chainsaws in an attempt to make the fastest three cuts in a twenty inch log so you've got a twenty inch log and you have three lines on it and essentially these are like super souped up chainsaws they've yeah. got like eighty horsepower engines on them, oh, whereas so they like just they cut spin it. at two hundred miles per hour, whereas like normal chainsaws are like sixty or something like that, and you basically have to. From what I remember, you start with the saw like on on top of the log, you gotta cut down, up, and then down again. You make mm-hmm. three cuts, and whoever can do that the fastest
1: wins. And doesn't there something about the width of the cuts? I think they have to be within
0: certain lines and stuff right. like that as well, right?
1: Yeah. Because you're trying to use as much of the log, I'm assuming. Yeah, you don't want to. I don't know what you you're using this radius little bit yeah. of the log for, but yep. yeah, I like that.
0: Uh, then this one I thought was really cool, the springboard. So you have a shorter log, basically, and you start on the ground. And you have two planks as well. So you have to, you make like two or three diagonal cuts. You take one of the planks, you shove it in the little gap that you made, mm-hmm. and then you stand on that. Mm-hmm. You climb up on that. You do it again, take the other plank, and you get on top again, and then you have to chop the top of the log off.
1: So you're like climbing up on the planks that you're creating as you go. Right. See, this is what I think I find so so fascinating about this is that, and, and sort of like the relaxing part, because you're looking at it and you're like what is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, Who invented this game? What is this going What is going on? Is he really doing this? Yeah. He's getting up on top of the thing he just yeah. put in the in the wood, yeah. and then he's chopping off the top. It's Do just it like, yeah. yeah, it's just incredible.
0: Um, so those were the main events that I found. I really wish this still existed. Uh, on the Wikipedia page, it's super barren. There's not a lot of information there. But they have this broken down into you know, the timber events, the target events, fishing, sporting dog motorsports. And then they have a category called new events. Uh, and there's two new events there and I couldn't find any information on either of them, but they're very intriguing. One's called Log Jam. Okay. The other one's called Dump 'em Out. Log Jam and <laughs> and Dump, dump 'em, em out. out? Yeah. What I have an idea of what these events are, but and I don't just, know if I can say. So it's So,
1: it. on Wikipedia it's just the word. Correct.
0: Huh. No links.
1: No links or anything? Did you Google? Them?
0: Yeah. You couldn't find anything? Well, you find something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dump them out. Yeah, we just watched
1: uh, we just watched Big Lebowski for log jamming.
0: Log jamming, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like the first thing I get is uh, Julia Rose is the last girl to dump them out. Like is this isn't this is the first thing I get. <laughs> that's not a. It's uh, <laughs> not an event of the Great Outdoor Games. Apparently,
1: I wonder if this is something that uh, people just went to the website to update it, and yeah. then Wikipedia was just like, ah, whatever.
0: Uh, that's I don't think that's how Wikipedia works.
1: Wikipedia is
0: perfect information all the time.
1: That's right. That's why it's our number one source.
0: Anyway, that's all I got on the great outdoor games. Maybe I'm sure that these things I I did towards the end. I was in my research. I was finding that you know, like the Steel Series, uh, they do have a like a a page on their uh, athletes, and these guys are like all just giant burly men. There's sort of like a crossover. There's a crossover
1: between it and like the World's Strongest Man Games, where they're like carrying a big iron thing of Africa. Yeah. There is an element of that with this, except these guys are actually accomplishing a function rather than just Being towing a strong. semi-truck. Yeah. These guys are chopping down wood that right. we can use for timber and right. burn it.
0: Well, maybe I need that semi 18 feet that way.
1: Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe. But that but the problem with that is the semi can turn on. That's true. That tree can't chop itself. That's true. That's a good point. It's yeah. a really good point. Yeah.
0: Great outdoor games.
1: Love, love there it. There are tons of clips on YouTube, though. Go
0: uh, back and watch them.
1: Well, ESPN in this you know now that there are no sports being played has started to go back and do a lot of their old content and I think great outdoor games was in their mix the last few times like they were they were I forget the other things well they, they did were uh at.
0: they did a whole sec. they had ESPN2 become the Ocho for a while the yes other day. yes and they had like yes that's uh, what I'm thinking of what did they have I mean I can't remember what the crazy stuff they had on there but it was like marble racing
1: yeah yeah <laughs> all the crazy stuff yeah I
0: think they should bring Rubik's it back Rubik's cube solving
1: they should bring it back. St- st- uh, cup, cup stacking. <laughs> I think that was on there. Yeah, Yeah. The, the people doing the cup stacks? Yeah. That's nuts. Great topic. Thank you. Great, great topic. Well, I'm going to shift this over into a real feel good because I want to give people a little bit of hope. I'm eating another cookie. Oh, eat another cookie. A little bit of hope. I want people to feel there's some good in the world. Michael, I want you to tell me what you know about Chuck... Feeney, Mr. Feeney. See, I, I want to. I wanted to get like I knew you wouldn't know this guy's name. Because <laughs> also a lot of a large part of him is is that everyone doesn't know who he is. That's not Mr. Feeney, is it? It's not Mr. Feeney. Feeney. Yeah, but I wanted to give you a little. What do you think Chuck Feeney is? Or who? It is. It is, is a person. person? <laughs> it is a person.
0: Miss Spock. Chuck Feeney. Um. I have no idea. All I see is Mr. Feeney's face. Mr. Feeney's face in your head. I see like Eric running out the back door. Uh huh. Yeah. Feeney. All right. You sure. know, uh, you know, one of the girls. Her name is Maitland Ward. And she was, uh, what was Eric's roommate's name in college? Uh, I haven't watched Boy Meets World in forever. Well, it was that guy's girlfriend in the show? Uh-huh. She does porn now.
1: Oh yeah, I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh yeah. yes, that I did. That know. rattled some information up there. <laughs> Uh so Chuck Feeney he's a Irish American mm. from New Jersey. Um he amassed a multi-billion dollar fortune as the co-founder of Duty Free Shoppers. So if you're ever in a airport or so like a port, uh the duty-free stuff you purchase is probably uh a store of his Duty Free Shoppers still still around today. Mm-hmm. But contrary to others that have acquired this much wealth, Chuck was extremely private, very humble, and is extremely generous.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, he spent more than three decades, like quietly and secretly, giving away all of his money. Uh, and to this day, he's one of the largest private philanthropists of all time. Wow! Probably only comparable to Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Gates, and in fact, it was his story that really inspired. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett to start um, the Giving Pledge, mm-hmm. which is like a—it's an organization where they ask billionaires and wealthy individuals to say they're going to give away all their money. Um, and he, Chuck Feeney, called this whole way of life "giving while living," rather than "Hey, I'm going to give away all my money by the time I'm dead." His philosophy was more: "I've got this money now. People need it now. What am I waiting around for? Yeah, like let's go use it." So. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So, he's born in Elizabeth, New Jersey, 1931. Yeah. Started the Depression. Um, he's he's Irish, but um, he doesn't have like a strong accent or anything. I mean, he grew up here, but yeah. he always felt like a strong connection to Ireland, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, he went to he went to the Korean War. He was a radio operator. Cool. And then uh, afterwards, he went to the Cornell University on mm-hmm. the GI Bill, and after that, he went to France where he met somebody who was um, doing like these duty-free alcohol sales to troops and uh, kind of stumbled upon this business He kind of always had an, like a kind of like an eye to making money always had like little different businesses that he was setting up. So we started uh, this, this company over there they were like selling alcohol to yeah to, to the to US troops and kind of went from there into like perfumes and handbags and that watches. kind of stuff watches <laughs> Can stuff I ask that would be before like before we get too far into this yeah
0: am i i just i never feel like duty free is a good deal
1: oh in some cases it's a very good deal like
0: what am i what am i not buying that i should be buying like the booze there seems like it's just the same price if not more expensive
1: well sometimes it might not necessarily be for you it's, uh, it's, for for it,
0: uh, different exchange rates and stuff, you correct. mean? Correct.
1: Yeah. So oftentimes, other countries will have larger taxes on on their imports. Yeah. And things back home can be right. massively expensive. So uh, like in Argentina. Right. No, where, I mean, there was like, yeah, go the duty-free. Yeah. Buy or, some booze or something. Or like, weren't you talking about like Apple products being absurdly expensive? To, yeah, but I don't
0: think you can buy them there. Mm. But yes. Anyways. But yes. Stuff like that. For yeah. Sure. So you're, Any kind of electronic. It'd have to be Apple products.
1: Well, so uh he had started this business with a couple of his buddies now they in their early starts, they were you know making money, but they were kind of like running their business not perfectly mm-hmm. um and they kind of had to crawl out from some debts they had amassed like different companies they tried to start and just started like eating money, yeah, in any case, um, they stumble onto the fact that that duty free shops could be set up in airports, okay, okay. And And is that
0: just from like a legal standpoint? Like were they uh, not necessarily... Yes,
1: these these were starting to become bigger. And also, so global travel in this time was kind of also expanding. Yeah, okay. So, you know, airports started, you know, this is only the early 60s, late 50s. So after World War II, you know, now we've got big planes. Mm -hmm. In the 60s, I think that's when, and 60s and 70s is when like the uh, jumbo jet came out. Yeah. So like mass global transit was really beginning. So that's where they figured out that they could set up duty free shops in airports and make a ton of money and one of their first big successes was uh the Japanese lifted their global travel yeah. restrictions yeah. in the sixties and they were flying to honolulu okay and so they'd set up this duty free shop in Honolulu they had um like cute Japanese girls like work the store mm-hmm. uh they hooked up with uh tourists um Local tourists, like people that were like going to take people around, they were like take people to the duty free shop before you leave, and then take them wherever. Yeah. So people got there, and then I mean they were buying bottles of Johnny Walker Black for yeah. like ten cents on the dollar for what they would have to spend in right. Japan, and they could buy it and take it back. Mm-hmm. So it was a great deal. I mean they were making so much money over like the course of 10, 10 years. Uh, like his initial dividend payment went from like twelve thousand dollars to twelve million dollars. Oh wow! I mean he was making a ton of money. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but he was he ran his business similar to how he ran his life like really secretive like not a lot of information was out there about how much money they were making and in a lot of ways the business kind of flew under the radar yeah uh and there wasn't just like there was no attention okay so um come around like 1980 he started he had all this money and he had made other investments in tech and healthcare and all this stuff and this wealth just became Probably larger than he could kind of wrap his head around having, and he was such a like a guy of um, simple pleasures. Yeah, he didn't own a car, he didn't own a house. He he just kind of like lived with what he wanted. Okay, I think there was a time maybe in the '70s where he dabbled in the high high the high lifestyle spending, maybe having a car. He yeah, yeah. Buy multi million dollar homes for his par- for his um, family. family and stuff. But it just never sat well with him. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the way I took it. Um, he, he hated going to, like, fundraisers with other wealthy people and all stuffy and trying to, like, outspend each other. And there's just yeah. this, this whole, like, me, me, me aspect to it all. And he was – that just, like, repulsed him in some ways. So, um, in 1982, he started a foundation called um, Atlantic Philanthropy. Okay. Or the Atlantic – I'm cutting this. Okay. Because I, I – some reason it's not that. yeah. 1982. So in 1982, he starts Atlantic Philanthropies, it's a foundation, <clears throat> and um in 1984 flies down to the Bahamas, does a basically like an asset swap so that he could avoid the taxes, but he basically took all of his wealth yeah. and put it into the foundation, into Atlantic Philanthropies. Huh. This is completely under the radar. Yeah. Nobody knows this. So okay. at this time in 1982, 1984, excuse me, nobody knows how wealthy he really is. Yeah. Even his like family and intimate friends don't really know how wealthy he is. Um, and then nobody knows that he moved all wealth that he would have into this foundation. And so now he's got this basically anonymous foundation that's going out and doing what he wants to do with it. Like, so... We had touched on St. Patrick's Day. It's been said that uh, Chuck Feeney is basically he's had the largest effect on Ireland since St. Patrick. Oh wow! Yeah, so he has all this money, very uh, anonymous. In fact, he has a quote as saying, uh, "AP Atlantic Philanthropies AP is synonymous with not is synonymous with anonymous." Okay. So I mean, just no attention yes so the areas that they've kind of focused on have been um well technically they've given away 6.2 billion dollars jeez uh the areas of this has of all come focus, out since then i would imagine yes at time this has all just, come out since okay but the areas of focus that they've 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 been looking at were a lot of education science healthcare, aging children and youth uh civil rights and it's mostly spread across seven countries the united states australia vietnam bermuda South Africa and Ireland okay and the way I've the way he kind of looks at a deal is he he looks for places that he can go make a huge impact with with I mean a large donation a large yeah large donation but not necessarily like um, I'm just gonna give to this large issue with a large amount of money he's gonna go find a deal sort yeah. of and be like I can make I could really change the entire community here
0: I'll give you this money if you promise to do extra yeah bit
1: like that. yeah. So uh, in the 80s, he first started up um, making a huge investment into the University of Limerick. So he basically moves all of his money into Atlantic philanthropies and then flies to Ireland and is like basically looking for a deal. How can I affect this community? How can I give this money away? Yeah. So his first main thesis, which I think is correct, is that if you invest in education, you really help the communities. Okay. And Ireland at the time was kind of getting ready to um, try to lure different corporations to set up their... They had a low corporate tax rate, yeah. which they still do, uh, but they wanted to bring uh, you know IBMs and apples and these other large technical companies over there, but they wanted they didn't have the educational background to say to them, like, "Hey, why don't you hire people from Ireland? Mm-hmm. They just you don't really have the technical skills, okay, or the facilities so um at the University of Limerick, he sets up a um like a huge concert hall, makes builds tons of buildings. Uh, brings a lot of investment and by way of the investment brings a lot of jobs and all that stuff. Then kind of gets into politics. He uh, was supporting um, Scene Fine, which is their, it was a political group that kind of grew out of the political turmoil that was happening there. Like the IRA was -hmm. was sort of tangentially related to Scene Fine. Okay. But there was sort of a, um, you know, the IRA is sort of like a terrorist group or seen by as a terrorist group from like the United States eyes. Sure. But I would say Chuck Feeney saw it as more like, you've got people on both sides of these issues and you're gonna need to be able to make peace. So seem fine was sort of like this political group that was moving towards being um like a rep- reputable organization. And yeah. so he actually personally gave money to them. Okay. And supported them. Uh and I would say like was, a, was a, a large proponent in bringing peace to Ireland. Huh. Bringing peace to Northern Ireland. Pretty, yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, in 1991, uh, he funds, a pe- funds peace buildings and reconciliation in Northern Ireland. Uh, he then goes on to make a huge public investment into um, research and development in Ireland. So, as I was kind of saying, they didn't have the uh, yeah. educational structures. So, he went and kind of like forced their government into doing something. They I'm were like
0: a picture of this guy because I needed to see him. Yeah. Talking about him. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the government at the time had said they were going to make an investment of $1 million into research and development yeah. funds, which is basically like, you know, might as well have been a dollar. You know, what difference does it make? Right. So he came and approached the finance committee and was like, I'll donate $75 million if you match the $75 million. I think it was 75 million pounds uh, if you match. And they were like, no, we're not gonna do it. And he was like, here's the plan for how you should spend the money. And they're still like, no, Department of Education, no. And I guess Ireland is really corrupt. There's just a lot of a lot of corrupt things came I out afterwards. Okay. Um, in any case, he kind of like put a deadline and used his political power to kind of force this thing into action. Um, and since then they've donated six hundred and fifty million dollars into R and D projects, like third level education in, in Ireland. And I think it's hard to put an exact number on what that would translate into. But I mean, the number of high-paying jobs that the people have there now, uh, the amount of R&D coming out of Ireland, it's probably too much to counter too. But Mm -hmm. you can probably draw a long line back to Chuck Feeney as being like, this was the driving force behind having all these universities, all these corporations here, probably billions if not billions of dollars worth of of, um, economic capital. Um, so it's just an amazing story that I kind of stumbled on here, to hear like George Clooney was looking at doing a biopic of him okay. I don't I don't know if that's still happening um but he now I think he's still living yeah he, he is lives right, in right. uh he lives in San Francisco in an apartment he has about like people estimate him have like two million dollars so a little bit about his kind of exposure like yeah. so in 1988 Forbes ran an article that sort of Broke the seal on the secrecy of uh, the duty-free shoppers, and they were like, they're making a ton of money. Uh, there's four founders. This, you know, Chuck Feeney definitely has the majority of it. Yeah. Little did they know, they 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 estimated it at 1.6 billion in the uh, in the article in 1988. Yeah. It was actually way more. Okay. But they also didn't know that at that time Chuck Feeney had given all of his money to the Atlantic ph- yeah. Philanthropies, so he, he didn't even actually have it. He probably only had a personal personal wealth of only a few million dollars. Right. So it's just like an incredible, I don't know, just an incredible story, incredible way to like live your life. Just know, knowing that you don't need that much. Yeah. And like, I have all this money. He, he obviously, he talks about it in the sense that he likes making the money. Yeah. But once he has it, he's like, I just want to get rid of it. Huh. Pretty amazing. Um. And then in 1997 is when he was initially outed as being the sole driving force behind Atlantic Philanthropies. If any, if any um, college or organization was going to receive money, the key factor was it had to be completely secret. If it ever got out, it would be the end of the money. Yeah. Um, so in 1997, this came out that I think he needed some more money to do uh, some other projects, and um, looked to he sold the company. They they sold the majority stake in Duty Free Shoppers. Yeah. I think he got like 1.6 billion dollars just cash Easy. and that was what he then took to go to a whole bunch of other projects yeah but um, I think even his business partners didn't know that he had sold his his whole stake to duty or to Atlantic philanthropies because he was still working for the company right still making deals and expanding. Because still Atlantic, collecting a salary, I assume. But, he yeah, he was he was yeah. getting the dividend check, yeah, which he was then just putting right into Atlantic Philanthropies. But I think he saw it like the larger that check is, is like the more money I can give. And he also I read them read some articles talking about his kind of like aversion to taxes. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting. I've got one of those. Well, it's a, it's a yeah. I think everybody does, but it's like an interesting viewpoint to say. You don't want your money going to the public through taxes but you want to help the public you all you're doing is helping the public yeah but um no i find I find it pretty interesting I would like to he wrote a book uh that came out in the night late night or the late 2000s um and I definitely want to read it but he's invested in Vietnam doing like public um public projects like I think like, you know, investing in water treatment facilities and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an incredible story. And, and, and as I said, he was kind of the driving force behind Bill Gates and, and Buffett and Buffett deciding they were going to give away all their money as well. Interesting. Which I kind of, I was getting I'll kind of into this uh, um, topic and I was kind of thinking I should have just chose the giving pledge. Yeah. It's just all the billionaires and people who've, who've there's like over 200 now. But they, if they said, what
0: is the deal? They'll give away all their wealth.
1: They've pledged to give away all their wealth with the exception of, you
0: know, taking care of their family,
1: their family's going to live well, yeah. but like you don't need that much money to live really well. Um, so yeah, I think maybe, I don't know what that cap number is, but yeah, by the time they die, all their money will either be in a, in a foundation or, you know, going for better goods. Yeah. Huh. Better causes. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Not a problem I have or not a
1: problem I get to have, I guess at this point. That's right. Yeah. You're still working. That's right.
0: Am <laughs> I gonna make my first billion?
1: First billion. Easy.
0: Yeah. All right guys. Well, thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, this is episode forty eight. We're we're one month away from one year doing this podcast. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Ooh, how times have changed over the last year. Oh, yeah. So we're going to do a season two. Is that what we're going to do?
1: Yeah. All right, perfect. So
0: season two starts in one month.
1: We're going to change the format entirely.
0: Mark your calendar.
1: <laughs> Tell me what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> a be lot. A, it'll be
0: a lot longer episodes. It'll
1: be a lot longer episodes.
0: All right, guys. Everybody stay safe. Uh, practice social distancing. Wash your hands. Wash your asses. Don't touch your face. <laughs> don't touch your face. And uh, we will be back next week with episode 49. See ya.